Here's a truth for you this morning. God works in big ways in your life. Do you agree? Yes, good. I was hoping you would. After all, he created you, didn't he? The, the psalmist says this. You probably know this, this statement, but this verse of the Bible that he knit you together in your mother's womb. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And he's continued to work in your life. He protects you as you drive on the roads and as you fly in planes and out in your everyday life. He provides for you. He gives you a job and gives you people that take care of you to put a house, a roof over your head, food on the table, everything you need to live. He is there for you and cares for you when you're sad and lonely and depressed. God works in big ways in your life. In fact, there's probably some of you that have some awesome stories about God, how God has worked in your life. I know some of your stories, so I know that's true. God works in big ways. He created the entire universe with just words. He made nations rise and fall. He did wonderful miracles while he was here on earth. These are all huge things that God has done. But none of them are the biggest thing that God has done. Sometimes we're tempted to think that they are. Sometimes we're tempted to think that what God does for me on this earth is the biggest thing. God does get us through our earthly lives. That is most certainly true. But it is not the biggest thing that he did. Jesus did the biggest thing. In our story for this morning, we see a man named Nicodemus. How many of y'all have heard of Nicodemus before? It's a very popular section of scripture here. Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a Jewish person that knew the law very well. The first five books of the Bible, he knew like the back of his hand. The Pharisees, we see them throughout the Gospels. They're always trying to trap Jesus. They're asking him what they think are difficult questions so that they can trap him, so that they could find something to accuse him, so they could arrest him and maybe even put him to death. Those were the Pharisees. And Nicodemus, he was one of those guys. But he was maybe just a little different <laughs> because he had just a little curiosity about who this Jesus guy actually was. So he went. He went to Jesus at night. What does that tell you about him? He's maybe just a little timid. He's a little afraid. He doesn't want his Pharisee buddies to know that he's going to see Jesus. He doesn't want anybody to know that. But he goes nonetheless. And when he's there with Jesus, he says this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could do the sign, these signs, these miracles, if God were not with him. He says, Jesus, I've seen these big things that you are doing. Jesus is pretty direct with Nicodemus throughout the, this whole discourse. He says, I tell you the truth, no one, no one 
not you, Nicodemus, can see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. He's saying, Nicodemus, you see these miracles that I'm doing, but you're amazed at what you see. You don't have faith in me, Nicodemus. You don't have faith in the one doing these miracles. You don't see the kingdom of God. But everyone who is born again by water and the Spirit, everyone who's baptized, those are the people that see the kingdom of God. Those are the ones that come to me, come to Jesus for the biggest thing. After all of this, Nicodemus is a little confused. I mean, to be born again. You can't enter your mother's womb for a second time. This is physically impossible. So he says, how can this be? Jesus, very direct with Nicodemus again, he says, you are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things? How do you expect to teach Israel if you don't even understand this? Nicodemus needed to hear this. And then Jesus goes on with what our reading is this morning, taken from John chapter 3. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Those are the words of Jesus. Perhaps the most popular, most famous section of Scripture is John 3.16. For God so loves the world. And it's the heart and soul of what we believe and confess. It's beautiful. But Nicodemus, he didn't understand this yet. And Nicodemus came to Jesus because of his miracles, because he saw these miraculous things. But Jesus' miracles, they weren't even close to the biggest thing. Let's not be too hard on Nicodemus, though. Think about it from his perspective a little bit. He's a Pharisee. He has grown up around the Pharisees. He has been with the Pharisees for a long time, so he thinks like a Pharisee. He's confused when Jesus says, you must be reborn. But if that wasn't enough for him, then Jesus said, for God so loved the world. The world? Really? He loves the world? That means he loves the beggar. That means he loves the prostitute. That means he loves the tax collector. Really, Jesus? God loves the world? How about today? That means God loves the sex offender. The inmate, 
That God loves the drug addict. Remember that guy, Nicholas Cruz? He went into a Florida school and he killed 17 people. That means God loves him? Can you feel it? Can you feel your inner Pharisee coming out? You mean God loves them sinners? But maybe the most surprising thing, that means God loves me? Even though he knows my heart? Even though he knows that I constantly want more, that I constantly want what other people have, even though he knows that I lust after women, even though he knows that I lust after things, even though he knows that I'm jealous of her looks, of her clothes, of her life, even though he knows that in my heart I am deceitful, I am self-absorbed, prideful, uncaring, antisocial, unloving, and a whole host of other things. And God still loves me? He must not know my past. He must not know what I did in high school or college or what I did last night. He must see this spiritual facade that I put on, but not see how rotten I am on the inside. Really, God loves the world? He knows all of those things about you. And he still says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He knew everything. He knows every sin that you have ever committed in your past. He knew that while he was even here on earth. He knew it before you were born. He knows every sin that you will commit until the day that you die. And he came anyways. Because he loved the world and he wanted to save the world. Because here's the truth. If Jesus wouldn't have done the biggest thing, then you would have no hope. You may as well go on living however you want. Live it up here on earth. Because when you die, you would die eternally. But God did not abandon you to that fate. He saved you from it. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was flogged. He took your sins on his back, your shame, your guilt. And he carried them to the cross and he crucified them there so they would be done away with forever. Jesus did the biggest thing. If you're taking notes and following along with us, that's the first fill in the blank. Jesus did the biggest thing. He saved the world. That is the heart and soul of the gospel that lives and breathes and gives life. That Jesus loved you so much that he said this, the Son of Man must Did you catch that? He must be lifted up. So we we read the story of the bronze snake. Maybe it's been a little while since you've read that story before. It's just a handful of verses in the book of Numbers. 
the Israelites were in, in their period of wandering. They had been led out of Egypt by Moses. God had, had split the Red Sea for them, and they, they went out into the wilderness where they spent 40 years. And during those 40 years, this story takes place. The Israelites had grown impatient and resentful towards God and their leader, who was Moses. And they began to speak out against them. So God punished them. He sent these nasty, venomous snakes to come and bite them. Now, a lot of people, including Luther, will say that these were were fiery serpents. Not, Not because they breathed fire, but... When you were bit by one, the venom spread through your body and it made your insides feel like you were on fire and left you gasping for water. So they came to, to Moses and said, Pray to God, save us from these venomous snakes. So Moses prays to God and God gives him this solution. Put this snake on top of a pole and anyone who looks at this snake will be healed and it was so. Now, I'm not a physician, never been to medical school before, but there are no remedies for severe poison that involve just looking at something. None of the Israelites could take credit for this. Even a little bit of credit, this was totally and completely the work of God. Nicodemus would have known this story well. Remember, he's a Pharisee. He knows those first five books of the Bible like the back of his hand. But he's never heard the story like Jesus told it. Jesus gave him a new gospel perspective that said, it's not about you, Nicodemus. It's about me. It's about Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to say these three things. Three times in just these few verses, he says that everyone who believes, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him, just as the Israelites did nothing to contribute to having themselves healed, just as God did everything to save them in the desert, so also Jesus did the biggest thing, and he did everything to create a believing heart in you. Here's a pretty safe assumption. You were all born, right? You didn't participate in that. I mean, you were there. But you didn't choose when you were conceived. You didn't form yourself in the womb. You didn't choose when you were going to to come out into the world. If you didn't participate in your first birth, you sure didn't participate in your second birth. This was totally and completely the work of God, a miracle that happens with water and the Spirit in baptism. When you became a child of God, when God put a clean heart into you that wants to love and serve Him and has faith in Him, God created that faith. And a person that believes has these promises three times in these verses that you may have eternal life, heaven, that you shall not perish. There is no eternal death for you, but you'll have eternal life. 
and that you're not condemned. You've escaped God's judgment. That's the second fill in the blank. Jesus did the biggest thing. He saved you. Jesus isn't done talking to Nicodemus. He's not done talking to us either. Let's read the the next few verses of our section. He says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds, they were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You might hear people say things like this. Yeah, they left the straight and narrow a long time ago. When people are saying that, they're normally talking about poor choices that somebody made a while back that have maybe snowballed into the big problem for them today. Yeah, they, they started drinking far before they were 21. Yeah, he, he told me about that one time that he maybe cheated a little bit on his taxes. He started slipping a little bit of money into his own pocket. When people are talking this way, they're observing behavior, right? Because behavior shows what's in the heart. Jesus talked about that. He says, out of the heart comes these things. The heart reveals, or the actions, the behavior reveals what is in the heart. Dark people do dark things. They hate the light. They would much rather do those dark things because coming into the light means they are exposed. It means they will see the dark things they have done. All of us have that darkness. It's our ugly, sinful nature. That's our our darkness. But living by the truth is knowing that Jesus did the biggest thing. That you know the truth. That God loves the world. That He sent His Son. That Jesus took your punishment upon Him. Your darkness He took to the cross. That is the truth of John 3.16. That's the truth that you wake up to every morning and the truth that you can fall asleep in peace to every night. That Jesus did the biggest thing and because he did, that lets you live by the truth. That means coming out into the light. Not being afraid of coming into the light and having your deeds exposed because you know that they're all forgiven and that you're under God's grace. That's your third fill-in-the-blank. The biggest thing that Jesus did for you is he lets you live by the truth. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? In, in, in the way that Jesus is talking here, he's talking about light and darkness, and he's saying this to Nicodemus who's coming to him at night, because Nicodemus, he loved the darkness. He didn't want to come into the light. He loved the external religiosity, but failed to see that he was dead on the inside. 
We're, we're not told how Nicodemus responds to what Jesus is saying to him here. We only have Jesus' words. But we know this. Nicodemus heard the gospel, and the gospel changes hearts. And a little later in John, we hear of Nicodemus again. The Pharisees are all upset because this crowd of people are talking about how Jesus is the Messiah and how he's a prophet. Why are they saying these things? The Pharisees want to put an end to it. They want to arrest him. They ridicule anyone who has any association with Jesus. And to them, Nicodemus says this. He stands up in front of the Pharisees and he says, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? He's sticking his neck out for for Jesus. He's saying, I went and saw him. I went and found out what he was doing. You should do the same thing. A little bit later, we see Nicodemus again. As he's looking up, at the Son of Man who was lifted up. Can you hear Jesus' words in Nicodemus' head? Just as the snake was lifted up in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life. As Nicodemus looked at the Son of Man lifted up, Nicodemus it was one of the two men that brought his Savior down from the cross. It seems, like, it seems like a small thing, maybe. But being in the presence of that dead body made them ceremonially unclean for seven days. That means they would have to recuse themselves from all of the, the Passover festivities with their family and with their friends. It means they would have to come into the light. They would have to tell their family and friends that they love Jesus and that they have faith in Him. And that's why they did this. That's the nature of faith. It reveals itself. Jesus said this about faith. He said, A city on a hill at night cannot be hidden. Its light can be seen. How about you? Can people see your light? Don't hide Jesus or your allegiance to him. People need to see Jesus and you can show them him. We have Easter coming up very soon. Who's your one? Who's the one person that you have on your mind that you can invite to see Jesus risen from the dead? Who's the one person that you can seriously invite? That you actually do it. And you reveal yourself. You come into the light. You show them that you love Jesus and you want them to love Jesus too. You want to give them the opportunity to be born again because God so loves the world and that includes that one person. That is the biggest thing that you And Jesus could do for them. Amen.